Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Welcome to the Defender Bible Study Podcast. Today is Monday, February 26, 2024. My name is Chris Johnson. I serve as the Vice President of Church Partnerships and Government Affairs for Lifeline Children's Services. Today, we're going to be continuing our look at the book of 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, go ahead and take it out and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We're going to be looking at the last part of this chapter today and then going into the first verse of chapter number 11, um, kind of tying that, that all in together. And really this, this part of chapter 10 kind of serves as a bookend uh, of really what we started studying a few weeks ago. Uh, I had the opportunity to lead us through 1 Corinthians chapter 8. They kind of started this discussion. If you remember, uh, Paul was specifically addressing there uh, this question that had been asked, this question about eating meat that had been offered to idols. And was that permissible? Was it not permissible? Should they do it? Should they not do it? And it kind of opened up the door for these different discussions around just these different things where where we we believe that we have freedom. We think that we have freedom to do certain things, but we're not sure if it's the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do. There's some that say we should do it. Some that say we shouldn't do it. Uh, Some that say we should avoid it altogether. And so We've kind of been talking about some of those different types of things uh, in, the, in our Christian walk and our Christian life, and what should our response be to those things? Uh, what should our what, what how should we approach those things and uh, things that, that might affect our testimony in different ways? It's been neat even to to field questions uh, from some of you all uh, about some of those things as you've kind of been wrestling with them and thinking through some of these passages as well, which I think is always a good thing for us. It's good for us to take the things of, of God's word and, and wrestle with these things and see how they apply in our lives. And I think we've been going through a very uh, practical part of Scripture that really helps us kind of wrestle and, and understand how to, to, to approach these things. So let's look today. Again, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse number 23 and go through chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience, as I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am am of Christ." 
So Paul's kind of bringing this section to a conclusion and, and really kind of giving us a summary of kind of what he's been talking about and some of these different things and, and kind of, again, wrapping up and bookending this discussion that really started back a couple chapters ago, again, as he was addressing a specific question that was answered. And so he's going to talk again specifically about that issue of meat, eating meat, but, it, but it's giving us principles that we can apply uh, to various issues that we may face in our spiritual walk, in our, in our Christian journey. And so he's going to give us those, we're going to kind of look today at these overarching principles uh, to kind of remember as it relates to these issues. The first thing that I see here that I think it's important for us to remember, to remember is just because we are free to do something does not mean that we should do it. Just because we are free to do something does not mean necessarily that we should do it. Notice what he says there, right there in the beginning in verse number 23. He kind of gives two statements. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. When, when making these two statements, again, he's referencing back to things that he's already said in this book, and even some things that he said in some of the other letters uh, that he has written and will write to some of the other churches. Uh, the first statement, I think, is a direct reference to what he said in chapter number six. In chapter six, he said the same thing, that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And in that passage, he was dealing directly with some of those things that, that we might have the freedom to do, but knowing ourselves, knowing our own personalities, knowing our own issues and struggles that we deal with, some things that may be lawful and okay for us to uh, engage in might lead to greater issues in our life. Maybe we struggle with addictions. Maybe we struggle with overindulgence. Maybe we struggle um, with, with other things that, uh, that are part of our, of, our, of our life. And so there may be things that we have the freedom to do, but Although those things are okay, maybe even good things to do, personally, if we engage in those freedoms, it might lead to uh, to, to greater, to, to deeper levels of sin. It might lead to something that would cause us harm. And so he tells us that we need to ex ex just really exercise extreme caution. Be really careful. There's some things that we have complete freedom to enjoy, but we need to be really careful about enjoying those things and about taking those things too far because they might affect us in a way that then would cause us to enter into sin. Although that thing may not be sinful, it might cause us to sin in other areas and other ways of our lives. So, so sometimes these freedoms can, can lead to things that would, that would produce slavery or bondage in our life. And so it's not good to be held captive by even those things that might be considered good and that we might have the freedom to enjoy. So he's reminding us again of that importance. One of the things that we've got to ask, okay, I may have the freedom to do this, but it may not be wise for me to do this because it might lead to something that would be sinful for me. The second statement he makes, all things are are lawful, but not all things build up. I believe that's a direct reference to what we talked about in chapter number eight, when again, the whole idea is, okay, as a Christ follower, yes, I have a responsibility to make sure that, that I am walking in truth and, and, and guarding my own heart and guarding my mind and keeping myself clean. But I also do have the responsibility uh, to build others up in their faith to not tear others down, but to help encourage and build others up and strengthen others in their faith. So maybe this thing that I'm considering, I may have complete freedom and complete liberty to engage in this thing, but if in so doing,
saying, I'm going to tear someone else down, or as he talked about in, in chapter eight, cause someone else to stumble or, or violate someone else's conscience, the weaker uh, Christian's conscience, that I need to be very careful about that thing. And sometimes I need to, to, to say no to that thing that I may have the freedom to enjoy because it may tear someone else down. So it may be lawful, but in the circumstance or in the situation where I find myself, it may not be something that's going to build up others. And that's something that we need to always be aware of, be very careful and mindful of our call not to, to just protect our own hearts and lives and live according to the things that, are, that, that God's called us, but also be careful that the decisions we make uh, affect others. And so we need to be sure that, that we're doing what we can to strengthen and build up the weaker Christians in our lives and not do anything to violate their conscience or to tear them down as well. Uh, he goes on to, to continue to talk about uh, this whole thing of, 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 of really considering others above ourselves. He says that in verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So again, he, he kind of flips the question here. Uh, it's almost like he recognizes that you're just, you're just kind of asking these questions so you can get away with as much as you can. And maybe the, the question is not, am I mature enough to do X, Y, Z, but am I mature enough not to do X, Y, Z? Am I more concerned with my own pleasure, my own uh, desires, or am I willing to set my own desires aside for the good of my neighbor, for the good of my brother or sister in Christ, for the good of others? And some versions just strictly say others. And so we don't know necessarily if he's talking specifically about believers or unbelievers. I think both would be applicable in this context, again, as we're going to kind of walk through these verses here. But he's saying here, we let, let's not seek our own good above the good of others. And so be willing to hold some things loosely in our lives to say, maybe we're going to abstain for a season, or maybe we're going to not engage in that activity when we're in certain environments or certain situations, or maybe we're going to, uh, to just be guarded in this certain way in my life because I'm willing to put the good of others ahead of the good of myself or ahead of the perceived good of myself. So again, he's just really warning us about that and just kind of and really admonishing us to be very mindful of that and to be careful about that. Um, this is the same admonition. We, we mentioned this verse last time, uh, kind of in the, in the near of our, in the near the end of our study, but he says the same idea in Philippians chapter two, verses three and four, where he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. And of course, that context of that verse, that passage of Philippians is all about understanding what, what Christ did for us, right? And the role that Christ took on as a servant. And, and, and so he's saying, hey, be willing to, to not do things. It really is check your heart, check your motives. If you're considering whether or not to engage in a certain activity or, or do a certain thing and you're trying to wrestle, do I have the freedom to do this? Check what the motive is behind that. Is it something that's going to cause harm to yourself in the long term? Is it something that's going to cause harm to others? Is it is it something that's going to, to, to cause somebody else to stumble? And if so, be willing to set that aside for the good of others and not let it be only about ourselves, but about others um, instead of just ourselves. So let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbors. And then he's going to really just kind of come out and kind of lay it out plain and simple. And he's going to just kind of revert back to the story of the, the eating your meat. And, and he's going to really basically say, look, when it comes down to the meat that's offered to idols, I've already talked to you about the fact that, that the meat is amoral. There's nothing right or wrong about any particular meat. We know that idols are not real. And so we know that they're not true gods. And so there's no real problem. And so he kind of in chapter eight talked about, you know, when you're in public and kind of going to these celebrations, I think here in, in chapter 10, he's dealing 
Dylan Moore says, hey, if, if in your home, if you want to eat meat, regardless of where, you, where that meat came from, go for it. You've got the complete freedom to do it. Um, and, and truthfully, in, in, in many ways, the, the church here in Corinth, the meat that they bought at the market probably in some way or fashion had found its way through this process. And so he's like, hey, don't stress over that. Don't wring your hands over that. Don't fret over it. You've got the freedom. Just go ahead and enjoy the meat, eat the meat. And, and it's okay. It's all good. He goes on to say that, you know, hey, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Everything that comes from the earth and, and everything that God gives us is for our good and, and his glory. And so hey, he's like, just enjoy the blessings of the Lord. It's completely okay to do that. And then he kind of gives us this little parenthesis again. And he's kind of like, just enjoy it. Enjoy the meat. Be in your home. Be with your family. Celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate the blessing. But now when you go out to someone else's house and when you're invited into someone else, and he specifically says here, when an unbeliever invites you into their home and they serve you meat, don't get nitpicky. Don't ask, well, I don't know, where did this meat come from? Don't go into this whole thing. And again, he's, he's really talking about here dealing with our relationship with unbelievers. He's like, don't make it weird. <laughs> We've all known those people, right? Every time something comes up, you're like, hey, you go to a party, you see that people, the person there, and you're like, we just know they're going to make it weird, right? They're going to ask the weirdest questions or, or do the weirdest things. Like when you when, a, when an unbeliever, when you've been praying about building a relationship, an unbeliever invites you in, don't make it weird by going, no, wait a minute, where did this meat come from? Did you, Has it been in an idol? Has it been before an idol? Has it been, um, you know, in the temple? What's going on here? He's like, no, just keep your mouth shut and eat the meat. Just don't worry about it. Your, your testimony is more important. Build that relationship, enjoy the fellowship, eat the meat and go for it. But then he's like, but what happens if that other person who I've been trying to be careful with, they show up at the same party, they get invited to the same party. And, and then it's like, and they bring up, yeah, but this meat's been offered to idols. What do you do then? And he's like, man, okay, we're going to wrestle with this here again. And he kind of gives this last little statement on it where he, where he says, hey, <clears throat> Again, if we know it's going to violate, if we know that if somebody else brings it up and somebody else mentions that this meat came from idols, then revert back to the things that we've been talking about. Don't violate that person's conscience. Don't put them in a bad situation and in a difficult situation. So, so there's a part that says, you know what? Hey, enjoy that freedom. Enjoy what you have. And, but then just really just be mindful, be careful. Paul's really kind of saying, look, church at Corinth, just grow up, just act like mature believers, just be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, just trust that, that God's going to lead you. Um, he kind of closes out and, and really there's a period there in the middle of verse, uh, number, number, uh, which is verse number 28, I believe it is. Um, verse number 29, I do uh, not mean your conscience, but his, and there's a period. And then he says, for why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thanksgiving, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? And so there's almost kind of this idea in those last two sentences, those last two questions that he's kind of reverting back to what he said there about enjoy the meat. If you're giving thanks and you're doing it right, you've got the right motives, just in, enjoy the freedom that you have. And so really it kind of boils down to, to Paul just, just calling us to a, to a mindset of discernment, uh, to really be sensitive to, to what's the real issue that I'm struggling with. If you keep asking about the same thing over and over and over again, maybe it's something that, that your conscience is not sure about, but you're just trying to continue to make a way for you to enjoy something that maybe the Holy Spirit's not wanting you to enjoy. And so I think really it just kind of boils down to us just being sensitive to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, us being sensitive to, to God's direction, us being sensitive to our witness, us being sensitive to discipleship. And 
and, and just really recognizing, okay, God, what is my, what are my motives in enjoying this thing or, or partaking of this thing? What am I really trying to accomplish here? And, and really let it boil down to asking those questions. Is this something that's going to cause me to stumble or is this something that's going to cause someone else to stumble? And if I've got the freedom and the clarity on that and my motives are pure and, and it's not something uh, that, that violates God's word, and I think that's very clear that we understand he's not talking about sin issues here. He's talking about things that uh, that are not sinful. There are things that are clearly sinful from God's word that he's not talking about those things at all. So this is not something that, that, we're, that we're partaking of that is clearly sinful. But he says, hey, if this is something that, that you've, you've got, there's really no prohibition in scripture. There's really nothing that, that would keep us from doing this. Then just trust your 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 walking with the Lord. If you're walking with the Lord, your motives are pure. You're seeking out God's direction and God's will. Trust that God, the Spirit of God, will lead you and guide you to do the right thing uh, in the right situation. And and so when when making decisions and and wondering about these things, considering whether or not to to walk in a certain area uh, where we have the freedom, I think I think we need to consider: Will walking in this freedom cause me to stumble? Will it lead to addiction or bondage or slavery of some type in my life? And then number two, will walking in this freedom cause another believer to stumble, cause him or her to, to violate his or her conscience. And if either of those things are true, then we need to tread very carefully, very cautiously, and, and really probably avoid that thing that we're wrestling with. So just because we are free to do something does not mean that we should do it. The second overarching principle that we see is found in verse number 31. However we enjoy our freedom, our goal must always be to glorify God. However we enjoy our freedom, our goal must always be to glorify God. He says, so whether you eat or drink, so whatever choice you make in this whole thing about the meat, whether you eat or drink, and then he's going to add in, I'm just going to go ahead and say, or whatever else you do, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And again, this goes back to Paul saying, hey, check your motives, check your heart. Check your desires, check and see what, what's behind this decision that you're making. What's my, what's the driving force behind this? And, and he says, Hey, if you choose to eat, if you choose not to eat, make sure that your choice is to the glory of God. Make sure that your choice is one that is honoring to God, that you've weighed these things, that you've prayed through these things, that you've thought through these things, that you're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and that your choice and your decision, you can stand firm in knowing that you did so to honor God. But then he goes again and just adds it to a broader sense of our life and really just says, you know, even outside of just this issue about, about meat, really whatever you do, everything that we do, every part of our lives should be to glorify God. Whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And just what a great reminder for Paul to kind of plug in there in the middle of this, to, again, to see the bigger picture. If our life is constantly about just doing whatever we can to get away with, whatever we can, you know, we're trying to stay as close to the guardrail as we can, as close to the ledge as we can, then, then is that really honor and glorify God? Or instead, if our life is like, hey, God, I want your, I want my life to bring you glory. I want my life to point others to you. I want my life to build others up. I want to, I want to protect my heart and <clears throat> guard my heart and guard my mind for the things of the Lord. Then, then, then everything that we do ought to be with the mindset, does this honor and glorify God? Do my decisions today honor and glorify God? Do the, do the things that the way that I walk today, the interactions that I have with others, uh, the, the work that I accomplish today, is it bringing glory and honor to God? That ought to be the overarching question that we ask every single day in our lives. Every single day that we, as we go about our business, everything that we do, 
is it honor and glorify to God? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, the chief question we must ask is, does, does this bring glory and honor to God? And so uh, ultimately everything we must do must be for, for that purpose. So just because we are free to do something does not mean that we should. However we enjoy our freedom, our goal must always be to glorify God. And then the, the third principle that we see here is that we must strive to live in a way that gives us the best opportunity to proclaim the gospel to the lost. We must strive to live in a way that gives us the best opportunity to proclaim the gospel to the lost. He says there in, in verses 32 and 33, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. So he says, give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. He says, hey, live in such a way to where that your life would never be a stumbling block, would never be an offense to any lost person, to any believer, to anyone outside the church, to anyone within the church, uh, to those who have grown up in the traditions of faith, to those that have no understanding of the traditions of faith, no matter who you interact with, live in such a way to where that your life is not an offense or not a stumbling block, not a hindrance to the going to the furtherance of the gospel. Again, we are on this earth. The reason that God saves us and keeps us here is to bring him glory and to proclaim his gospel. That's ultimately what we're here for, to, to proclaim his gospel and make disciples. And, and so he says, hey, don't let anything in your life do anything that would hinder those two things. Make sure you're doing everything to the glory of God, and then make sure that your life is not getting in the way and causing offense, causing a, a hindrance to your being able to spread the gospel, to your being able to, to share your faith with others. And so we must strive to live in a way that will never hinder the gospel from going forth. Now, it's important that we understand this context and, and recognize that, that Paul is not saying that, that he's going to excuse sin, that he's going to compromise truth. That's not what he's saying. When he says that I try to please everyone in everything I do, he's not saying that, I, that I'm you know abandoning the truth in order to make people happy and, and I'm going to just kind of meet them where they are in their sin. Uh, that's not what he's saying. And, and we've had a lot of discussion around that and, and what that balance. There's been a lot of discussion in Christendom uh, over the last couple of weeks over uh, different different things, commercial that showed up in the Super Bowl, uh, different pieces. Some of them have asked even about that. We've had some discussions about that. Um, but there, there, there's this, this tension always, right, about what what we, you know, at what point do we, uh, are we abandoning truth in order to build a relationship? And that's not what Paul is saying. He's not saying I'm abandoning truth to build a relationship. But he is saying, hey, the reality is the gospel is offensive. And when we preach and proclaim the truth of the gospel, it is offensive. But as I preach and proclaim the gospel, my life should not be offensive. Lost people may be offended by the gospel that I share, but they should never be offended by the life that I live. Let me say that again. Lost people may be offended by the gospel that I share, but they should never be offended by the life that I live. And so this is where we, again, trust the, the leading of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to, to love through us, to care through us, to, to again, be willing to, to meet people where they are, to meet people at their level of understanding, at their level of, of, of just kind of grasping the, the truth of God's word. 
but he says, hey, I want to make sure that, that my life is not getting in the way of someone hearing the gospel, that I'm living in such a way that, that's, that's, that's not caring, that's mean, that's hateful, that's, um, that, that's isolating, that's, that's, you know, that, that's pushing people away. I want to instead be engaging. I want to be winsome. I want to, I want to make sure that I am engaging with people so that they know my love for them so that ultimately they can see the love of the Father as well. And so, um, when he, when he says that he's trying to please everyone, he's saying, you know, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do things that are going to be a stumbling block or getting in the way of their coming to faith. In, in saying here, he says here that I do not, I'm not seeking my own advantage. He's saying that he's gone, not going to allow his own personal desires or his own personal wishes to get in the way of his testimony. Again, there may be times that he needs to say no to things that he may have the freedom to enjoy, because if in saying yes to those things that harms his testimony or his witness, then it's like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to fulfill my wishes and desires. So I'm not seeking my own advantage. But instead, I'm saying, hey, how can I live my life in a way that's going to promote the gospel and be a witness to those around me? The salvation of others is more important than any freedoms or rights or privileges that I may want to enjoy. So this section, you know, it kind of, um, he kind of wraps up this section, but then he really kind of includes the first verse of chapter number 11. Of course, we know that in the original writings, there were no chapter divisions. And, and so sometimes there's kind of these awkward divisions, even from verses and chapters. And so really we see chapter 11, verse one, kind of tying in together where he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And, and so, you know, when we read that, it, it kind of seems like a bold statement, right? Paul's like, hey, just, just follow me. Just, just watch me and follow me. Um, man, I pray that we all would be willing, be able to say that, right? That we would live in such a way that, that is worth emulating and is worth people following. Um, you know, Paul knew that, that people needed to see an example. They needed to see an example of an imperfect person who was striving to follow a perfect God. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that even, you know, in, in Paul's writing of this, there were things that Paul had wrestled with and, and continue to wrestle with. And when people looked at Paul's life, they probably wonder, you know, sometimes, Paul, you're eating, uh, you know, sometimes you're you're kind of, you know, keeping the, the strict dietary laws of the Jews. Sometimes you're eating this meat and sometimes you're doing these things and, and kind of wrestle. Paul, I know, suffered attacks from all different angles in different ways and different settings. But ultimately, Paul said, hey, I'm, I am, uh, I'm, a, I'm an imperfect person just like you, striving to follow a perfect Christ. And, and as I walk on this journey, I am striving to live in a way that I can be an example to you. Uh, I, I know that these are difficult things to think through. I know that these are tough decisions. And, and I want you to be able to watch how I handle these things. I want you to be able to watch my life. And I want to be an example that is worthy of emulation. I want to be some, uh, someone that, that you can follow. He wasn't claiming to be perfect but he was striving to be that example that they could follow. And, and he also recognized that, that he could only call them to follow him as he was following Christ, right? He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so you literally could say, hey, if I'm not, an imit if I'm not imitating Christ, then don't follow me. If there's anything in my life that's not following Christ, hey, Christ is the supreme example. Paul's not saying follow me instead of Christ. He is saying, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and, and so um, th this is this is really in some ways it provides good accountability, right? Because because and again, when we when we're able to say that, when we say that to, to people that we're discipling or people that we're leading, that it puts a kind of an onus on us to to recognize that accountability in our lives. Hey, there are people that are watching my life, and there are people that are following me. Therefore, I may I better make sure that I'm following Christ. 
I better make sure that, that I'm honoring his word, that I'm living in a way uh, that, that is bringing him honor and bringing him glory. And, and so I wonder, are we willing to be in that position? Uh, you know, are we, are we sitting back going, hey, hey, I don't, don't follow me. Don't follow me. I don't know the answers. I don't know what I'm doing. So don't follow me. We could say that. But is that really putting ourselves in a place for God to use us? Is that really being concerned with discipleship and helping grow others and, and helping point others to maturity? No, truthfully, we ought to all be striving to be able to say, hey, as I'm following Christ, I'm not going to always do it right. I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm an imperfect person trying to follow a perfect God. But as I'm following Christ, hey, come along with me. Let's do this together. Follow my example. Follow my lead. And, and let's allow that, let's allow that, um, that, that kind of that, that goal of being able to say that. Let's allow that to spur us on to good works. Let's allow that to challenge us to be all that we can be, to continue to strive to be like Christ so that we can, in good conscience, call others to, to follow us in this journey, to follow us in this growth path. Uh, that we're on. We know that that until we reach heaven, we're going to continue to grow and we're going to there's going to be more for us to learn and more areas where we're going to hone our skills and our ability to discern and and recognize these things. But as we're walking this journey of sanctification, let's invite others to join us on it. And let's live in a way that that is that is making sure that we're striving to be like Christ, that we're striving to bring him glory, but then also that is inviting others, hey, come join me on this. Let's be a witness to those who are lost and invite them into the family of God. Let's live in a way that says, hey, I too is right there where you are. And I, I know, man, I'm on this journey. I want you to come join me. I want you to join me on this journey. And then as people join us on that journey, let's continue to invite them to grow and to discipleship, to grow in maturity so that we together are seeking to be more like our Savior, that we're seeking together to be more like Christ. Let's make sure that everything that we're doing is pointing to Him. Let's keep living our lives in a way that point to Him and to give Him all the glory and all the honor. This week, our prayer focus is on the country of Poland and Lifeline's adoption program there. So will you join me together as we uh, pray together and lift up this program? Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you so much for just your word and for the direction that it provides for us and the way that you lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, we pray that you will give us wisdom as we seek to live in a way that brings glory and honor to you and to you alone as we seek to make decisions that would honor you and bring you glory and then lead others in doing the same. Lord, we continue to pray for the ministry of Lifeline. We thank you so much for uh, the ways that you are equipping your church, your people to uh, get the gospel, Lord, to vulnerable children. Lord, we pray especially for the program in Poland. And uh, Lord, we thank you so much for our Lifeline team that is working tirelessly to just navigate the ins and outs of that program and uh, work with the uh, the officials and the government there, as well as families here uh, in the U.S. that are seeking to adopt children from Poland. Lord, we pray for uh, Sasha, our worker on the ground there, as he continues to uh, advocate for Lifeline families and for these children as well. Lord, we pray for just clear communication and strong bonds to be formed between uh, Lifeline and the, the Catholic Adoption Center that's there in Poland that uh, plays such an important role there, Lord, in the in getting uh, children connect, and the families connected. And so, Lord, as we seek to just again, just to be able to connect uh, these children that need families, Lord, get them connected to Christian missional families. Lord, we pray that you would just, just bring the people to the forefront, that you would lay upon their hearts to uh, open up their hearts and homes to these children, that you would 
remove the barriers, the red tape, the different struggles that would keep these things from happening, God, and that you would, uh, Lord, truly just allow things to move forward in a way that would, uh, Lord, just get these these kiddos quickly home uh, into their forever families. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to advocate for these young people, where we pray that um, our efforts would 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 not be in vain, and uh, that you would would do the work, Lord, ultimately that only you can do, and that we would trust you in these processes. Uh, Lord, help us not to grow weary in doing good, but to continue to stay faithful to the work that you have called us. Um, Lord, we continue to pray that you just would, would do the same in the other programs that uh, Lifeline is a part of, and that you just will continue to uh, give us wisdom as we seek to know and do your will and to follow your plan that you have laid out for our ministry uh, and for those that, that are engaging and being a part of it. Lord, again, help us to walk in your wisdom today. And as we go forward, help us to uh, live in such a way that will that will promote the gospel uh, and that will encourage other believers and, and point toward uh, discipleship and point toward uh, growing ourselves, but then also growing others in their walk and relationship with you. And all these things, God, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.